You've heard conversations on this show about how to give feedback and how to hold people accountable. But how do you do it when you're not going to see them much in person or at all? Jonathan Raymond returns to show us how to balance care with accountability when leading a virtual team. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 464. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One of the conversations we have had many times on this show is the conversation about feedback and accountability. And it is becoming an even more bigger, greater challenge for so many of us in this time where we have all moved online. And even if we haven't moved online, so many of the people around us are moving online in the context of all the things happening in our world. Today, I'm glad to welcome back to the show someone who is an expert in accountability, has been on many times before, and will help us to do this in a way that is not only balancing performance, but also being able to do it in a way that helps us care for people well. I'm glad to welcome back to the show Jonathan Raymond. He is the founder of Refound, where he and his team work with organizations to create a company culture based in personal growth. He is the author of the book Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. He's been on the show several times before. His accountability dial is probably the most useful framework that I have seen in my 20 plus years of doing this, of how to really approach conversations about accountability, not only effectively and with care, but in a way that is practical and easy to follow. Jonathan, I'm so glad to have you back. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me back on the show. You talk all the time about how people leadership has changed, and we are in the midst of even (laughs) more change for all of us right now in the context of the world moving online. And yet, one of the things that has not changed is our work as managers for accountability. And now that some of the initial change has happened externally, I now am getting the questions of, okay, this is going to go on for a bit, right? It's not going to ha- it's not going to go away in 2 weeks and even when we come back to a new normal, there's inevitably going to be more virtual work that's going to happen over time. And now the questions are starting to come of, well, how do I keep people accountable in this new online space? Absolutely. And and one of the things, one of the themes that I would say is universal with all of the people that I've talked with over the last month is this. And this I want to say something that I don't think it will come across as cold or callous. It's certainly not intended in this way. But everybody that I talk to is acknowledging, you know what? We got a little lazy. We got a little comfortable in terms of how we were managing performance. We let a bunch of conversations slide. And it's not the ideal way to do it, but here's where we are, which is we're going to have to make some tough decisions in our organization. I'm going to have to do more with less. I'm going to have to make some changes because I don't, the old reality is gone. It's it's just gone. And Everybody to I, that I talk to to a person is saying, hey, wait a second. I know that there's going to be another side to this. How do I manage my way through this, not only to survive, but actually to come out of the other, on the other end with a better team, with a more cohesive team, where people are more deeply collaborating? And how do I use this moment to have some of those conversations that I've maybe been avoiding or I've been talking around? And that's what I've seen, really. In, in, and I'm going to say universally, is we all got really comfortable. Everything was pretty easy. 
work is never easy, right? It's stressful. There's a lot going on. But compared to now, when we look back on how we were doing a month, two, three months ago, we were pretty comfortable. And it's not comfortable now. But there's a silver lining to that, which is we can invest in this moment and come out the other side stronger. You have been saying for years, we're too nice to people mm. as, as managers today. We had a pendulum swing from years ago where we tended to managers tend to be very much in people's face and really tough, brash feedback. And then the pendulum has swung the other way over the last decade or so. And is this a time that maybe that, that we have the opportunity to find that middle ground? Absolutely. We're swinging back. And now we've got to, how do we do that in a humane way? How do we have the conversations that we need to have? And again, not just, as, I'll, as I will always remind people, it's not just for the people that you need to have some conversations with. It's for everybody else who's watching how you have those conversations. They know you're going to need to let some people go in most organizations. They know you're going to have to make some tough calls. But how you go about doing that is going to define the next 10, 20, maybe 30 years of your leadership career. This is a great lead-in to the dial itself. And the thing that I've always appreciated about your work and the accountability dial is the balance of both performance and the necessity for performance in every organization, and also the care for people. And I also appreciate the point that you have made that accountability may not feel great in the moment. It doesn't feel good to have the conversation. It doesn't feel good to be on the receiving end a lot of the times. But it is a gift. It's a good thing that generally we want in our lives. I mean, people always say, well, I want more you know, peer accountability and I want accountability for our kids. And it is a positive thing, isn't it? It's hugely positive. And, and oftentimes I'll make the analogy, maybe especially these days, if people are exercising in their garage or you know, using a Peloton or some piece of, you know, home fitness equipment or something like that. You know, there are moments where it feels fun, but oftentimes it's grueling, right? There's a lot of other things that you would rather do than be held accountable to something that's really uncomfortable, but you feel great afterwards, right? And it's the accumulation of that accountability where you become a, be a better, different, more evolved version of self. And that's what we all want, but in the moment, it doesn't feel good. It's not supposed to feel good, right? Because the, the, our normal operating personality, we're creatures of comfort. We like, we want the food to taste good. We want the drinks to taste good. We want to kick back in our chair. We want to have a foot massage, whatever, the, whatever your, things, your things are. We like comfort. There's no problem with that. But it's got to be balanced with stretching outside of ourselves. And accountability, there's, there are very few people that you know, that I know, who will proactively put themselves in situations of discomfort, especially in a professional context. We need other people to help us do that, our managers, our leaders. And we need them to come from a place of saying, hey, you know what? That's actually how I can care about this person. Every day we have that opportunity to strike the balance. You can be kind and still be direct. Mm. You can manage performance and still be deeply human. In fact, you can't manage performance in the modern world without being deeply human, in my opinion. Uh, I love that. Let's dive in on the model because I, many in our audience have used these steps before. In fact, I was just having a conversation this morning with one of our Academy members who's handling a difficult situation with performance and has been utilizing the accountability dial with 
great success in the last few days. And I'm also conscious of us looking at this now through the lens of the principles are still the same in doing this in mm-hmm. a virtual world, but some of mm-hmm. the tactics are a little bit different. And they so are. maybe you can set up the dial for us of there are five really key pieces of this, and maybe we can look at each one of how we would approach this, especially through this virtual lens. Sure. So let's go quickly back through the steps. I know many of your listeners are, are familiar with them. The five steps are the mention, the invitation, the conversation, the boundary, and the limit. And they are five stages or phases, however you want to think about it, of how to start, guide, and complete an accountability conversation. So the first step, which is especially critical in a virtual environment, is the mention. So the mention, really the spirit of that is something that we've all done and heard a million times before, which is, hey, do you have a second? And it's that first moment, that preventative, that preemptive question or observation where you've noticed something. You've noticed something that that person's doing that seems counterproductive, or there's some piece of work that you saw that didn't, it didn't answer the question that you asked and you have a question about it. And rather than waiting, rather than letting it go, rather than letting it pass and saying, oh, I'll talk to them about it next month, or I'll talk to them about it in their review that's coming up in December, I'm going to talk to them about it today. And how do we do that? So for, we've been doing this for five years and teaching this tool you know, 50% of our clients are doing it remotely already. And one of the things that they will tell you is they'll say, what makes it different? The structure is the same. The map is the same. You have to use your intuition a little bit more because you don't have, you don't walk by that person in the hallway. You're not sitting next to them in a room and you can sort of catch a glance and kind of see how they're doing. That your experience of them is more transactional. So you're seeing them in WebEx or Zoom or whatever tools your, 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 your organization is using. You're seeing them, but you're seeing them in a, in a very structured, controlled environment. So you miss out on a lot of those informal moments where you might notice somebody's feeling a little fried or somebody's feeling a little frustrated or somebody you know, seems to be spinning their wheels about something. You may not notice. You might have to use your intuition a little bit more. So that's one place where when you're thinking about really all the steps, the mention, the imitation, conversation in particular... Follow your intuition. Hey, you know what? I haven't, I haven't heard anything from Tim at all this week. I wonder how he's doing, right? Uh-huh. You might, that might be easier in an in-person physical office environment to do that. You have to, it's a little bit extra step outside of yourself to go and do that. Another thing that you can do, which you have to balance, and you got to be careful how you do this, is you know, to say to somebody, hey, can you hang on after the meeting? I wanted to chat for a minute. Now, that's fine. Now, if you do that in front of 50 people, you might raise 48 eyebrows. Yeah. Probably not the best thing. Use the chat function. You know, use the private chat function. Like, you know, hey Dave, you know, when when everybody else leaves, can we just jump on the phone call for a second? Don't broadcast it to the whole group. Not necessary. Just not necessary. So, so those, so there's little things like that that you can do to decrease the cycle time between interactions. Because when you're in physical space with someone, you might see them ten or twelve times in a day. You might see them a hundred times in a day. But if you only have the video conference, you're only going to see them during those meeting meeting times. So you got to be proactive. And then the last thing before we move on is making sure that you balance it. So this is the same. I would counsel you the same way in using the mention, the invitation. You should be making as many positive and reinforcing mentions and invitations as you are redirecting or negative mentions and invitations. So you should be, if you're taking the time after a meeting to say, hey, can you hang on a second? I want to chat with you. And you want to bring up a piece of performance that you want to, or behavior that you want to see change that isn't going well, 
make sure you balance that by doing the same thing with things that are going well. Hey, I really loved how you kept that meeting on track. I know it's really distracting for everybody right now. I really appreciate the extra effort you put into the agenda. Those little things will go such a long way to not just maintain, but to deepen the morale of your team as you move through this crisis. Yeah. And it's an invitation to start the conversation right and keep the conversation going. And I love that this dial is just as useful for giving positive reinforcement as it is addressing a performance issue. And if we're doing both consistently and having regular mentions, then when the situation does come up where we have to talk about performance issue or something or go further down the dial, it's not as big a deal. And also, we've trained ourselves as managers that we're a lot more likely to start the conversation if we're already in the habit of having those regular interaction points and those quick, short mentions already, right? Absolutely. So the next step on the dial is the invitation. And when I think about the invitation, the way I've been thinking about it is that it's starting to put context and connection points between some of the mentions and helping to you know, draw the lines together so people see that because it's hard for them to sometimes see that themselves. Right. It's like if you had a if you took a black light to your organization, you would see a whole bunch of isolated one-off mentions, right? But what you won't see is people making the connections between all those mentions. There, there's so much one-off feedback, isolated things where we say something, we ask a question, we make an observation, positive, negative to people more senior, more junior, more peers. We don't follow up. We don't come back around to that conversation and say, hey, remember we talked the other day about this? I actually saw something else over here, and I think those two things might, might be related. Okay, now we've got two, right? Not quite a theme yet, but it's getting there. Oh, and by the way, there was this other thing that I think might also be connected. Now we've got three points. Okay, now we've got a pattern. The point of the invitation is to, is to do something for other people that we have a really hard time doing for ourselves which is to see the connection points, exactly as you described it, between isolated things. They're not isolated, but in the speed of our day, when we're overwhelmed, when we're in, especially when we're in crisis mode, and really all the time, it's very easy. We trick ourselves into thinking, oh yeah, that was just that, that one was just that, that one's just that. No, they're connected. And a good coach helps you make those connections. A good manager helps you make those connections. A good friend helps you make those connections. That's what the invitation is all about. I'm thinking about what you said earlier around work looking more transactional on its face when it's online and the interaction points that we do regularly have scheduled tend to be a little bit more formal. So Mm -hmm. my guess is it's sometimes a little harder to put together the data points to really make those connections as a manager as it might have been before. Tactically, now in this online space, what if anything's different about the invitation and and what would you invite us to do? The only thing that I would invite people to do differently is to build, if, to the degree that you don't have this already, is to build a formal structure inside of your one-on-ones to do some house cleaning, right? So, And I would be explicit with your team. Hey, so we've got a half an hour one-on-one every week or an hour every other week, whatever your mechanic is. I would just up the level of that. I would say, look, you know, because we're remote right now, because we're, things are moving so fast and things are changing, I'm seeing some things day to day with you, with everybody. You're probably seeing things with me. Let's carve out 10 minutes out of those 30 to make sure that we circle back on any of those open threads that maybe happened over the week because we're moving so fast and it's so chaotic right now. So build in a little bit of formal structure inside of a pre-existing meeting. You don't need a new meeting to do this. Use an existing meeting 
And then you, you've given yourself permission. You say, oh, well, you know, now we're doing our 10 minutes of mentions and invitations. And, you, and what you might find is you might keep that forever once you build that structure into the one-on-ones. But that's the only thing I would recommend doing differently right now. Mm, super helpful. Okay, so that then takes us to the conversation. And the conversation is where you're surfacing the impacts of the behavior. And like you said, either, either good or bad. What does that sound like? Right. So the goal of the conversation, which is the third step in the accountability dial. So you've made a mention, maybe a couple of mentions. You've made an invitation. You're getting somebody thinking about something that you want them to pay a little bit more attention to, where you're seeing there's a growth opportunity. There's a coaching moment in process. The purpose of the conversation, you've got a little history. You've got, there, you've got a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks, could be longer, depending upon the situation and what it is you're working with your colleague on. But when you're at that conversation stage, you're going to start to focus on the impacts. So here's what we've been talking about in our mentions and invitations. Now let's talk about what are the implications, what has happened as a result, or what will happen if we continue down this path. And the key thing is we're not going to let people stay at the level of intentionality. That's the trap to fall into as managers and leaders is we start to give feedback. We start to talk to somebody about something. And let's use the example of something that isn't going well, some behavior that isn't constructive. And we let them off the hook when they say something, oh yeah, that's not what I meant, or oh, I didn't mean that, or you know, I'll try to get better on that, or oh, that won't happen again, or I know why that's happening. All of that, that's all excuse until it's not. It's all excuse until the actual thing changes, until the impact changes. So it's not enough for somebody to acknowledge at the level of intention or intentionality that they get it. We need to see change at the level of impact. So in order to do that, we have to talk about what those impacts are. So the purpose of the conversation is to have an honest conversation around what are the impacts that this person's behavior is, is having on the team, on our customers, on, the, on our working relationship, on their own professional development. You know what they are as you're listening to this. If you think about someone on your team and you wanted to go have this conversation, just think about one person and ask yourself, what are they doing right now? What is the feedback that I should be giving them? Or maybe I am giving them already. What is the impact of their behavior? You already know what it is. You're already seeing it. The only difference is you haven't talked with them about it yet. It's not on the table between you about what those impacts are. And the last thing we'll say here is this is really critical, especially as you get into the latter stages of the dial, the conversation, the boundary, and the limit. They sound like they could be more punitive. They're not, but they sound like they could be. All they are is tighter. All they are is a little bit more crisp. They're not any more punitive. You're going to be big, open-hearted you at every single step of the dial up through and including the limit. Because that's how you lead people in the modern world effectively, is by showing up with your best version of self and giving them every opportunity to show up with their best version of self. And if you have to set a boundary, you set it in a positive frame. You assume that they can improve. If you have to set a limit, you assume that, well, maybe they, like a lot of us, they needed a limit in order to make that change. At every single step of the accountability dial, you are staying positive. You are assuming positive intent. You're never going down the punitive shaming, judging, all that stuff, not necessary. You don't need any of that to manage performance. And you never did. This is going right back to what we were talking about earlier of you know perhaps being too nice to people as some of us have been. And I know I've fallen into that trap. 
is that you can be kind and caring and also still clear, right? So yes. it's this isn't an or, it's an and. So you're in, you're assuming positive intent and you are also being clear about here's the impact. And as we learned from the Difficult Conversations book, what, 20 years ago, intent does not equal impact, right? So even that's if the right. intention was good, which it almost always is, then right. that's not good enough as far as organizational performance. One of the first coaching clients that I had many years ago that I was doing this work with, she said, I can't remember if she said it the first way or the second way. I like them both. She said, I feel like what we're talking about is the kind truth, or she might have also said it as the truth delivered kindly. I like either formulation. So whichever one uh, speaks to you, uh, uh, go with that one. Well, speaking of truth, step four is the boundary. And this is where there's a conversation about consequences. And one of the points you make about the boundary is that you have to earn the right to set boundaries with people. Tell me about that. I was talking with a senior VP and one of our clients a couple of days ago, and there's a person on his team who is not doing well under the current conditions. The business is fine, but this person is, you know, for probably for reasons that go outside of work, they're, not, they're really struggling right now. And they've been showing up in meetings. This person has been saying some things in some problematic ways, not offensive to people, but just you know, sidetracking progress and, and just making it harder for everybody else around them. But this manager has a long relationship with this person. They have trust. They have the ability to have a boundary conversation with this person because they've earned that right over time. They've been through rounds of feedback, positive and negative, reinforcing good stuff, redirecting. And so they were able to have a conversation fairly quickly with this person to sit them down and say, hey, look, let's take a step back here. Let's talk about what's going on right now. And they were able to have a clear conversation around where this person is, how they're impacting the team, because that was the primary impact So in the conversation. And then they went fairly quickly into a boundary conversation. Hey, here's what I need from you over the next three days. And more importantly, here's what I need you to not do over the next three days. And they were able to have a very personal, warm, but firm conversation. And in that conversation, he was able to say to this person, look, if I can't see that, if I don't see that over these next couple of days, I'm going to have to take you off this project right now. Mm-hmm. And, and he understood. The, per, the, the person understood. He said, look, I get it. I know that I'm not at my best right now. And, and there was enough trust in the relationship for him, for him to be able to have that boundary. Now, if you've been, and we've all done it, myself included, if you've gone too long being too nice and you don't have that credibility, you got to do a little extra work right now, right? And you got to backfill a little bit of some of those conversations. It's doable, but you got to be mindful that in the absence of that trust, in the absence of having been through some battles with that person, you have a little bit more housekeeping to do in that boundary conversation. But nevertheless, you still have to have the boundary conversation around, here's what I need, here's what I don't need. And you get there as much as possible by asking questions. Hey, you, you know, you've know you heard me make some comments. I've given you some feedback. Why do you think I'm making such a big deal of that right now? Why do you think that's so front of mind for me? And asking those questions to get them to reflect on the situation and help them at a minimum co-author that boundary and ideally author it where that person, it didn't happen in the scenario I was just mentioning, but in an ideal scenario where that person says, you know what? I'm not showing up in a good way right now. Give me another day to see if I can kind of get my stuff together. And if not, you know what? It's probably better off that Susie takes this project right now and let me focus on this other thing. Yeah. Right? That's the ideal 
doesn't always happen that way, but that's the ideal. And of course, one of the best ways to earn that right is to have been doing the mentions, to have the invitation, to have had the conversation all along versus just jumping into a boundary conversation. And as you said, and I've made this mistake too, we've all done that, right? Yep. But if we can be having the regular dialogue already, then when we do need to have a boundary conversation, that it helps us to move forward versus it coming as a huge shock. And then you're dealing with all the trust issues that come up with that too. Yeah. And if you have to, right, if it's, if it's an urgent situation and you do have to give a boundary, you can, be, you can do that transparently. You can say, you know, just to give people a little bit of a script, you can say, look, you know, let's say you were doing this with me, Dave, and you said, you could say, look, Jonathan, I'm in a bit of a tough spot, you know, because there's something that I want to give you some feedback about, and we need to have a pretty urgent conversation. And this is on me because I should have been talking with you about this for a while, and I haven't been. That's on me. And nevertheless, this is the moment I find myself in. So I'm really sorry that it's it's going to come out of the blue a little bit, and I and I hate that that that's on me. But I still got to have the conversation. You can do that, right? And sometimes you have to. Yeah, that's super helpful. Okay, so that takes us to the limit. The limit is from the manager's perspective. I've done everything I can. Tell me what that sounds like. The limit is it's probably the trickiest one for people to understand. It takes. Once we get into it, people are like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because when you think about the limit, we're so conditioned to think the limit means I'm firing the person or it's just, it's over, right? Just because you have a limit, like if there's a limit on the side of a road, it doesn't mean you're in the ditch, right? It means there's a limit. And so the purpose of the limit is to say, we can go no further. It doesn't mean you're fired. It doesn't mean I'm removing you from all responsibility. It doesn't mean I'm demoting you or, it doesn't necessarily mean any of those things. All it's saying is like, hey, the road, you're about to hit the guardrail. Like, you got to turn now. And it's a very caring, a guardrail is a very caring thing. Now, we could debate, well, is the, is the guardrail the boundary or the limit? It's a bit of both. But for a manager to say, hey, look, we've been having some conversations. I know you've been thinking about this. I know it's not, it's not sort of been ignored but it's not, the change isn't happening fast enough. And I don't know what else to do. I don't know what other options I have. And here's the key. And so I would love for you to figure out where do we go from here? I've done everything I can, or I've done everything that I think I can, or I feel like I'm out of options. Now, what do we do? So there's an opening. A limit effectively delivered has an opening, but but the opening is 100% with the recipient. I need to know from you where do we go from here? I'm done coaching. I'm not done caring about you, but I'm done coaching in this proactive mode that we've been in. Now we're in a phase shift. Where do we go from here? That's up to you. Doesn't mean you're fired. Uh, interesting. So I know there are people listening to that thinking like, okay, well, I'm talking to someone who's not taking the ownership for doing this and they don't have a good answer to that question. Where do I go from here? How do you navigate that when you're running into that with someone? So one, um, I'll do a public service announcement on behalf of your HR department, because every mo- I would say most HR departments are, have a very similar position on this, if not all of them, is depending upon the scenario, if you feel like you're really in territory that has a likelihood of ending up in termination, or then you know, that's probably the, the moment where you enlist an HRBP or whoever in your organization is the right person. I just want to put that PSA out there. You don't have to do this all yourself. The purpose of the accountability dial is to go to HR way later in the process than we normally think we should. Uh, so 
if you're at the limit stage with somebody, which you may be, if you haven't been there in the next couple of days, in, in the last couple of days, you may be there in the next couple of days or in a month from now, whatever it is for you. The key is that you're, you're being explicit, you're being transparent, you're saying, look, here's where we are. And there's almost like a moment of pause. We're saying, look, I don't know. It's, it's actually humble to say, look, I don't know where we go from here. The implications are obvious, right? The implications, depending upon the scenario, might be, hey, if we can't get out ahead of this, it might mean you can't be on the team anymore. It might mean you can't be on this project anymore. It might mean I can't pay you at the rate I've been paying you. There's a lot of potential consequences. People already know that. You don't have to spell that out for them. But you can be honest about where you are with them, and then you wait. And I can't tell you how many times, well, I can tell you how many times, it's been hundreds of times that I've worked with leaders where they've come up to this moment and they've said, hey, this is where I'm at. I don't know what else to do from here. Can you think about it? Can you come back tomorrow with your thoughts? And people will come back the next day with something new something you hadn't anticipated, a way of approaching it that is different for them. And all you have to do to, to, you don't have to take my word for it, one, try it, but the other is just think about in your own life, when you have made big, important changes, behavioral changes in your life, they often happened at a limit. Mm -hmm. When you were at a limit, they often, they didn't usually happen when someone made a mention, right? If you're a smoker and someone said, hey, you know, don't you know cigarettes aren't good for you? That's probably not the day you quit. Right? <laughs> right. There was a bunch of other stuff that happened. There were mentions, there were invitations, there were conversations, there may have been boundaries, there may have been a whole bunch of other stuff. But something happened where you where you, you know, tried to do something and couldn't and you were like, "Oh my goodness, this is not good. I have to stop." Uh-huh. The limit is a very positive force in personal growth and it's just our association to punitivity and termination that gets in the way. I'm thinking about what you just said and all the conversations I've had with Academy members over the last five years who are using the accountability dial and many of them who used it really well. And what comes up again and again, I can't even think of an exception to this, is when someone goes through this process well and gets to a point like the limit, almost always one of two things happen. Either the person makes a, a pretty significant behavior change mm-hmm. or they opt out. That's and, right. and, and opt-out looks different in every situation. Like Sometimes someone will say, yep. well, I can't handle this project. I need someone else to step in. Or they, are, they find a new job. And it's really interesting how often... And I, I appreciate what you said just a moment ago about like there's a time and a place to get HR involved, right? But it's interesting how often we are so quick to like, I need to get the HR person involved before we've really had these conversations. And when we do, no one wants to be at the limit. Right, especially mm-hmm. in a negative situation. And back to our earlier point, if accountability is a good thing, right? This is not a place anyone wants to be. And if you're willing to go through this process, almost always the situation will resolve itself and people will find a way to move forward or not. And like you said, you 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 put some of that on them, right? You're waiting for them to respond. And how are you, you know, here's the limit. How are you how are you gonna respond to that? And I'm really conscious too of what you've said many times is you don't get to look good and grow at the same time. And mm-hmm. this is, I think that's a, a wonderful invitation for all of us as we do this. This is, especially if we're doing it for the first time, making mentions, making invitations, we're going to make mistakes. It's not going to sound perfect. But if we are able to hold these two things of being kind and caring with people, but also being very direct and clear, that, that will light our way and we'll do a lot better than we would if we didn't have the conversation at all. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Now, so we have a resource 
for those of you who'd like to dive in in a lot more detail on this. You have been hard at work over the last few months, Jonathan, building a course on the accountability dial to help managers to do this more effectively. I have gone through it. It's it's fabulous, and it really helps paint the picture so clearly around these five different steps. For those who'd like to dive in more and really get good at doing this consistently, what does it look like uh, with the course? So what we've done is we've really tried to focus on the the kind of the meat of it, the five steps of the dial, but also provide some context. So it's all videos. And then we've got downloadable worksheets to go with each steps of the accountability dial and some prompts for people to think about. But there are 12 videos that you can go through at your own pace, or you can you know do one a week, however you want to do it. And then we've got worksheets for to script your mentions, script your invitations, so that you can think about some of those conversations, like as you're watching the video, well, what's the conversation I need to have? And you know, there's a worksheet that goes with it to help you along. You know, we tried to keep it really simple and tell some stories and share some different examples throughout. And I think folks will get a really good and clear thing to come back to, right? So you don't have to, as great as podcasts are, you, you, know, you can scroll back through the whole thing. You'll get a little bit of a different angle. I mean, you'll hear by way of video and some examples and you kind of see it in action. Uh, a little bit more, a little bit more of the how-to is how we've set it up. Yeah, I really appreciate all the tactics and some of the common mistakes that folks make in the different stages of the accountability dial. So for those who would like to jump in on it, we've affiliated formally with Jonathan's team on this because I think it's such a valuable model. We've had so many people tell us over the last five years just how useful this has been. So if you'd like to dive in on it, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash accountability. You'll find all the details there. And also, we'll of course have that all in uh, the episode notes and this week's weekly leadership guide as well. Jonathan Raymond is the author of Good Authority and the creator of The Accountability Dial. Jonathan, thank you so much for your work. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate being on. As I mentioned in this conversation, we've affiliated with Jonathan and his team on the Accountability Dial 101 course. It is really the best framework I know of for accountability, and especially right now when so many of us are changing work context, a great framework for you, your colleagues, and maybe even your entire organization on how to do that well. You can find out more by going to coachingforleaders.com slash accountability. And thank you so much, Jonathan, for sharing that resource with our audience. In addition, several related episodes that'll be useful to you if this conversation was helpful. One of them was Jonathan's first appearance on the show a couple of years ago on episode 306, The Five Steps to Hold People Accountable. We walked through the accountability dial then in the context more of in person. So if you find yourself in that situation now a bit still, you may want to dive back in and take a look at that framework originally in episode 306. And of course, today's version a bit more of looking at it from the virtual perspective. Also recommended a fabulous compliment to this conversation is episode 413, Effective Delegation of Authority. Hassan Osman joined me in that episode, and we talked about how to delegate work effectively. It is probably the number one thing that I hear about leaders struggling with, even experienced leaders of how to define work well, communicate it, put in good milestones. It is something that so many of us struggle with, and it becomes even more important in the virtual environment because we don't have the regular spontaneous conversations that many of us are used to. If that's not a framework that's feeling super comfortable to you yet of delegating well, 
Episode 413 is a great starting point. Hassan has a very brief, useful book on it. I think it took me 30 minutes to read it when I read it the first time. And it goes through in depth exactly what to do to be effective at delegation. Again, that's episode 413. Also recommended is episode 433 with Tom Henschel on how to start managing up. We, of course, were talking about the accountability dial in this conversation, mostly from managing a team. In addition, many of us find the need to be able to manage up effectively. In episode 433, Tom and I talked in detail about what are some of the strategies, the do's and don'ts for doing that. Is probably, I shouldn't say probably, it was one of the most downloaded episodes we had last year. So many people found that framework useful of thinking about our boss as our number one customer. Episode 433 is where to go for that. And then finally, I'd recommend The Way to Be More Self-Aware with Tasha Yurik. That was episode 442. If you can work to drive your own self-awareness and become more effective there, you will do all of these things better. Accountability, courage, delegation, managing up. The more self-aware you are, the easier the road is on all of these. Episode 442 is a fabulous framework from Tasha on how to get started. All of these episodes you can find by going over to the coachingforleaders.com website. And if you set up your free membership right there on the homepage, you'll be able to access the entire library since 2011, searchable by topic. And one of the new topics that is there is COVID-19, the episodes that are going to be most useful to you in responding to this crisis are the ones that are now tagged on that in the episode library. We'll be adding to that as we go. This is one of them and many more still to come. All of that on the episode library, plus access to the weekly leadership guide, all of the free audio courses, the member casts, my book notes, and a ton more inside the free membership, completely free, coachingforleaders.com is where to go and you'll be off and running with all the benefits of free membership. Looking forward to seeing you back next week as we continue our conversation on helping us all to become more effective leaders. Have a great week and see you next Monday.